this was an exciting conversation today. Um, I had the chance to have Larry as my guest. And those that don't know Larry, some of you might. Um, he is a father, a uh, husband, he was a Marine, uh, a teacher, uh, entrepreneur, and maybe most notably, he ran for governor of New York in 2018 as a libertarian. And he actually got 100,000 votes, which was the most any libertarian ever got. Uh, he is back again this year, running again. And it was really cool to have a conversation with him because a lot of this show is about trying to really dig in and understand people um, at their very core, to really get underneath and understand who they are and what they're about. Obviously, that starts with the idea of what they value, but it also goes to how they think, what motivates them, um, how self-aware they are, those types of things. And, and given Larry's kind of background and accomplishments and what he's hoping to achieve, it was really cool to have that type of conversation with him. Um, and he started off the conversation with empathy as the value that he values most. And he had kind of a unique take on it of how, um, how important it is to building relationships, ultimately because it, it allows for a deep efficiency in trying to solve the problems we're trying to solve today. And he talked about that and some examples he had from his military experience to kind of, to kind of illustrate that. And naturally that kind of flowed into a conversation about government and those problems we are trying to solve. So we had some really good discussions about Larry's policies and his beliefs, how he thinks and debating, you know, some real life issues today and how they might apply to that. Things like overspending by government, misalignment of incentives, lobbyism, um, the military industrial complex, lots of different topics and really was able to work through it um, in long form, which was super interesting. And probably my big takeaway, what I found most interesting about Larry and his approach, his policies, et cetera, is how pragmatic and kind of incremental he is about them um, and unapologetic in that way. And that's interesting because in today's world, most politicians are like overly um, unrealistic and ambitious and they're promising this utopia that they have all the answers to all the world's problems and they're going to fix everything because that's what they think it takes to get elected. You have to convince people of that. Larry's view is like, if you measure me against perfection, I'm, I'm going to lose every time. But that doesn't matter because perfection is not realistic. It's not worth it to, to, to hear somebody spout out these idealistic claims that are never going to actually come to fruition. He'd much rather give claims that maybe aren't perfect, but they at least move us in the right direction. There's progress. There's improvement in that. And I think that's a really interesting take. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, because in today's world, and we talked about some of this, the, the political system kind of rewards people for making those really overly ambitious claims. But Larry's view, and it's hard to argue with this, even if you don't agree with all his policies and his beliefs, and that's okay if you don't, his view is that if we have thoughtful, empathetic leaders in charge making these decisions, um, even if they don't have all the answers yet, even if they don't see it exactly the way you do, we're still better off rather than having those kind of overly dogmatic, unrealistic ones that we see most of the time today. So really great conversation with Larry. Big thanks to him for being on. Um, and with that, let's get to the episode. All right, Larry, thanks so much for you being on. Really appreciate you making the time. Excited to 100%. talk to you. I will jump right to the first question because I like to get right into it. What's the value that's most important to you? That's a very difficult question. As you know, that's why you ask it. <laughs> so yes. Um, I think the value, probably more than anything, is empathy. Mm. I'm not sure if that's a good value, if that's not what you mean, if that's what you mean, but the idea of 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 connecting, mm. right? Even in my sales process, when I'm selling products and services, whatever the case may be doing, when I'm consulting with people, training as a, I'm a teacher, and when I train, the first goal is always to connect with somebody. Mm. Otherwise, What's that old saying? If they, they don't know how much you know, if they don't know how much you care. Mm. 
that concept of connecting with somebody. And I think the connection works only well when, when you have empathy with someone, when you can see kind of, or try, can't always see because we're not, we're humans and we fail constantly. But when you're trying to connect and trying to get the person and unless someone's really bad faith in trying to hurt you, and sometimes that happens, don't get me wrong, there are bad people who want to hurt you, but the average people don't want to hurt you. So if they see you're trying to connect, they tend to be very forgiving mm -hmm. because they see you trying. All right, Terry, you weren't perfect, but you were trying. So, mm -hmm. all right, let's have a conversation. You were try you messed it up, but it's fine. You were trying versus just let me tell you what I know and I'm super smart and mm -hmm. I know everything. I think the connection piece is critical. So I would say empathy is critical. It's better when it comes to whether that's a, a sales process, whether that's running for office, whether that's with your spouse or with your family. Mm -hmm. I think all of those things. And too often we don't want to take the time that it takes to deal with empathy because empathy takes time. Changing someone's mind takes time. Building rapport and connection takes time. We want our problem solved. Come mm -hmm. on, man. I got mm -hmm. stuff to do. Solve mm -hmm. my problem. Well, then your life becomes very transactional and your life doesn't become relationship driven. Mm. And if you want to be happy in your life, the answer for happiness, believe it or not, is positive relationships. Mm. I believe that. I believe yep. that. And I love it. I don't think anybody said empathy yet. It's certainly come up on this show, but I don't think anybody stated it. And I think empathy, I agree with you. I think it's one of the most important values we can have. Maybe as we start, let's baseline it a little bit, because I think you're right. That that to me, empathy can't be transactional. By yes. definition, it's not transactional. It's a deep connection and understanding. How do you define empathy, though? How do you know when yep. you've actually gotten to a place where you are empathizing with someone? What is that? Yep. Like some people would say it's when you feel the actual thing they're feeling. People have different views of it. What does it actually mean for you? Well, I'll 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 touch two pieces. One you just mentioned and then the actual question. You mentioned the idea of it can't really be transactional. And yeah, that's the key, right? The key is if you're in your head having a score chart, well, mm. he did this for me, so now I owe him that. And he did this for me, so now, oh, now I owe him. That's transactional. That's not a healthy relationship. I should do for you because in my heart, I believe you would do for me, mm. right? That's the real good relationship. And maybe you're doing more for me, but you're not mad because, you know, if it was reversed, I'd be doing more for you mm. or the reverse. Maybe, maybe I'm doing more for you, but I don't feel bad because I know if it was reversed, he'd be doing it for me. That's the connection I mean by having, well, you said so you can't have it transactional. Mm. And I guess the, the greatest example I give you is I am a Marine, was in Marine Corps in the, in the eighties. You know, you see one of the, one of the greatest flaws and one of the greatest strengths of the Marines is we don't leave our wounded behind. That's a flaw and a strength, a flaw in that the enemy also knows that. Mm. So they will use it against us, mm. right? But it's an advantage in that we know. So we've sacrificed ourselves to get our wounded back, right? We don't want to leave any brother behind. Now, the guy who's wounded can't help me out. He's going back. So I'm never getting anything back from that Marine because he's going to be heading back to the hospital. Mm. But I do anyway. Why? Because I know if I was out there, he would be rushing to get me. Mm. Therefore, I rush to get him, even mm. though he will not. He can't pay this back. But I will still do it knowing that I cannot get paid back because I know he would do it for me. And the guys watching me and covering me, if I get hit, they're coming out after me. And I know they are. And that's why I do it. Mm. 
That is one of the strongest relationships you can have. And that cannot be transactional, right? Because I might run out and get three guys, right? Who knows how many guys mm -hmm. I'm going to get, right? So I think that's that's the concept that you were talking about that I just wanted to go to the nth level yeah. if I could. Yeah. But I think your concept is right on the money. I think yeah. you're, you're totally correct in that regard. So it's interesting. So it's, it's almost as though when you think about why to value empathy, so we kind of know what it is right now. We have an understanding of it, why you value it. I think you've said two things, which maybe are interconnected, but it's worth kind of pressing and exploring a little bit. One is you mentioned that those positive, so empathy allows for positive relationships, yes. which, then makes, which then makes you happier individually. Yes, absolutely. Is there also a component to it? And these are probably connected, which it allows society to function, right? Like if that trust absolutely. is there, those yes. positive relationships, we yes. can achieve more. We can get more done. Is that part of it too? I'll give you the easiest example of this. Traffic lights. Mm. There is nothing stopping you from running a red traffic light. Mm. There is nothing stopping you. You can run everyone if you want to. Even if there are cops there, they can only arrest you after you've run the traffic light, right? So if you want to run every red traffic light, you absolutely may. Nothing is going to stop you from doing so. You might get arrested. You might have an accident, but you can run every one of them. Yet every single day, the vast, vast, vast majority of people do not run red lights. It's it's literally, that's our society. We're all trusting each other that we won't run red lights. Now, the reality of it is people stop at a red light when there's no traffic all the time. Mm -hmm. So it isn't just because I'm afraid I'll get hit by a car. Mm -hmm. We stop anyway. We stop when there's no cops around. So it's not like I'm afraid a cop is going to get me. I stop because I know I should, and I know others are too. Mm. So let me just stop at this red light, even though there's no cop there, even though I'm not getting hit by a car, I'm stopping anyway, because I know they all will too. So I think that's that's basically communal empathy. That's a, right. We all understand that. There's a working that, connection with society as a whole and the individuals that make it up that we- How could we survive for. without it? Right. Well, right. here's what's super interesting about this, because so you're running for governor of New York second time as a libertarian. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I and I know I, I would imagine there's a reconciliation here, but let's well, let's explore it because some people might be hearing it. There, there's some aspect of empathy in the way we're talking about it, where there is this greater good, this greater societal yep. good that you have to. I don't know, maybe sacrifice is too strong a word, but you have to do your part for it. Some yep. people could hear that and think that runs into conflict with being a libertarian because libertarian individuals. Right. How do you how do you think about that? How does that yeah, work? Not at all. Um, and there's a couple of things. One, you know, the you asked, I'm going to go back to your other question about empathy and I'll come back to this one. Okay. You actually asked, how do you know mm. when you're in empathy? And I think you know when you're in empathy, really know when one or two things happen. One of them is when you can actually predict what the person's going to say. That's number one, right? On a one-on-one -on -one basis, right? Mm -hmm. So when I say something and I know exactly what you're going to say, or at least a good clue, I'm now with you. Right now I'm with you. The other piece is when I ask a question or when I talk to something, I really want the answer. Hmm. Like personally, I'm not just like, okay, so tell me your name. Okay, your address. That's no empathy. I don't care. I don't want the answer. I don't care. It's just I'm mm -hmm. filling out a form. But if I'm like, how do you feel about your kid? And I want to hear it. I'm an empathy. Because hmm. I want to hear what you're going to say. Now, if I can actually answer the question and I think he's going to say this, this, and this, and you do, I am right in line. Mm. We said it often. That's now we, we're, we're there. We're together. We got it. Now, I don't have to have kids to know that, right? So I don't have to be you to be with an empathy, if that makes any sense. Yep. 
I may not know exactly how you're feeling, but I know how you're going to react because I've, I've tried to put myself into your world. Mm. That's how I think we know one empathy. That was your other question. I'm sorry, I'm jumping yeah, around here. Yeah. No, it's good. But now let me go back to the libertarian view. The libertarian view isn't, I'm an individual. The libertarian is, don't use force. That's it. It's don't use force. That's, people think libertarianism means I'm selfish. No, it means don't use force. Lots of libertarians want to get together. You know what a libertarian society actually is in America? The Amish. Hmm. The Amish, they are literally libertarians. They are voluntarily working together with their own rules, their own society, and you can leave. You can just say, I'm not Amish. I know lots of people in New York State who are former Amish. Hmm. Right? They go, you know what? Not my thing. And they go up to something else. That's literally a libertarian society existing right now. Mm. And then to remember is in a libertarian world, all minorities can exist and survive well. In the authoritarian world, who are the first people they attack? Mm. Minorities. Mm. In every case. Mm. So the libertarian world is not selfish. It's just not forced. You can be as liberal or as conservative as you want to be. Just don't force your views on others. You should be using your, your works, your example, your community. So that people look at you and go, oh, you know what Terry's doing? That's the way. Mm. See what he's doing? Mm. Let's do what he's doing. He's finding happiness. He's talking about empathy. Let's do what he's doing. That makes sense. But you didn't force me. I just saw it and said, this is the way. I like that. It's like a free market component to it almost. Exactly right. It is your deciding. And lots of people join. You see all the time people join church groups as an example. They join nonprofits. They get behind uh, protests. No one's forcing them, but they want to. They believe in either the ideology or they believe in the religion. They believe in the movement or whatever the thing is. And they all get together and work very well and solve a problem. Why? Because they want to. Mm. So it's not being individual, but there's no force involved. And here's the difference. If you look in your world, anyone listening, if you're watching, you're thinking, I have a problem that I'm unhappy about, whatever that problem is, a drug addiction or a family problems, or whatever the problem is you're having or you've seen that you're mad about. Has government done a better job solving it or have individual community nonprofits done a better job at solving it? Hmm. Every single time individual nonprofits do a better job at solving a problem. They may not solve it. Better job, guaranteed. Every single time. And the, and the mechanics of that tying back to empathy are, one, it's genuine, it's real. People are making yep. a decision to do that. Correct. And to do that most effectively, you have to have empathy. And when you have empathy, you understand the other person, you understand the problem better, and the odds of you getting to a solution that actually works is heightened because of that. Nobody helps someone get through an issue than a person who's been through that issue. Mm-hmm. Right? You mm-hmm. want to solve some, say broken dad who's been hammered through a bad divorce, get someone who survived, get a dad who survived a bad divorce. Hmm. He'll walk him through it. You have someone who's an addict. My mother was an addict. If you get someone who's an addict, you want to say, who's going to solve it? Another former addict, right? Whatever is the problem, right? You have a, a, you you were abused as a child. Who's going to help you get through that? Someone who survived child abuse, right? Because they have the ultimate empathy. They have been through the thing that you are going through. They will be the best, but not just that. What kind of person joins the nonprofit to solve the problem? Someone who cares and usually that problem has either been in them or someone they love, almost always. And that's why they join. Why does someone become a government worker? I'm not mad at government workers. Government workers, good, make pay your bills. 
please pay your bills. I want everyone to pay your bills. Please do it. Any job that pays your bills is a good job. But why do you become a government worker? Because you want a good job, which is fine. You want benefits, you want a good job. Good for you. Go become a government worker. But that's not the person who's going to solve the problem better than the person who joins the nonprofit because they are connected. Yeah, and I mean, it's possible some people join government, take a government job because they believe that's the best way to make a difference. But I think the point you're making, which which is an interesting one, is that if you look at it purely from like an efficiency play, from like an yes. operational efficiency, it, you're better off in the non-government situation because right. it's too much of like a catch-all. It doesn't allow for enough nimbleness and agility to understand what the issue is, who's the right person to solve it, yes. that time to get empathetic because of all the things that go into government and politics, all Correct. the bureaucracy, all the overhead, yes. the campaigning, all that stuff. It detracts from what you're talking about, which is the core issue, which is understanding the problem figuring out the best solution to it. And it's funny because most people, I think, think that government came about for efficiency. Government is more efficient. We want public schools because it's a more efficient way to do it. It's standard. Not at all. Government came about for control. The way you're portraying is the opposite, right? Government came for control. Remember the origins of government. The origins of government, of all the the, the governments from many, many years ago, was simply one band of bandits deciding that only they will rob you. Mm. Mm. I'm not joking. I'm not making that up. Right, there were many hordes of people robbing all types of people, and then one bandit said, "Look, I'll protect you. Only I'll rob you." They were like, "Deal." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only mm-hmm. one band of people comes to rob me and doesn't kill me. No, no, we just come by, take our cut. It's a protection racket, right? Yeah. It was a protection racket. We have a whole bunch of horsemen and crossbows and swords and stuff, and we'll protect you from the other guys. We'll come by every year. We'll take our cut, and we'll leave you alone. And they went, "Deal," and that's that's the origin of the government. What, what do you say that to that? Taxation. Though? Do you let's let's follow that thread. Let's assume that's true. There's an argument to be made that says, yeah, it's it's the least of all the evils. It's actually the most efficient way to do it. Maybe. Right. Realistically, I'm not saying that way. is I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong, but what made America so special was our Constitution. Mm. It literally did not say that mm. all the rest of them did. That's what made us so special. Right. But we did that. The reality of what government should be is to protect the rights of the individual, because there will always be local bullies. There will always be local strongmen. There will always be local thugs. There will always be bad guys. They they will always exist. However, the environment decides how many will exist. Mm. People respond to environments. In bad environments, you have worse people. In better environments, you have better people. So in a good environment, you will have less bad guys, but you're Mm. always going to have some bad guys. Mm -hmm. Government should be stopping those guys. I'm in. Let's do that. No worries. I'm not fighting you on this one. That's a good one. My problem is most laws have nothing to do with fighting bad guys. Most laws would have to do with controlling you. Like, here's your tax bill to make sure you do the thing we want. Buy this. Go that way. And then we'll give you tax breaks on X, Y, and Z. And right now in New York City, you can't buy um, Ready Whip spray unless you're 21 years or older. Because you could use the spray can to sniff paint or something. I'm not joking. you got to be 21 years or older to buy whipped cream. We're talking about whipped whip cream. cream. Correct. Ooh. Whipped cream. That's a useless law. I don't require government for that. Now, if you're some guy selling drugs to a five-year-old, I need government for that, right? Yes, come get the bad guy who would sell the drugs to the five-year-old. Yes, get that guy. Totally with you. Mm. But stop me from buying whipped cream? That's what most of the laws are now. Mm. So I will go back to the basics. Stop the bad guys. I'm in. Let's do it. You don't want to stop the bad guys? You want to control me? I'm not in. Mm. Let me go one step further than what you said earlier. Government versus nonprofit. The incentives are completely wrong and people respond to incentives. So an incentive in a nonprofit that is not government funded, and that's a big distinction, 
It's donor based. In a government funded, and I'm sorry, in a government uh, agency, what is its goal? Its goal is that to solve a problem. Its goal, and it'll be written in it, is to service people with the problem. Mm. That's the goal, to service people with a problem. If that problem goes away, what happens to the agency? It goes away. Mm -hmm. I just lost my job. I am not incentivized to solve any problems. I'm incentivized to service people who have the problem. Now, me and you, right, Terry, you're my boss. And I'm out there and I service people. I'm, I'm a government agent. And I service people. And I come here and go, hey, boss, we're doing great. I serviced 100 people this week. You go, Larry, well done. You're great. I go, thanks, boss. Next week, we serviced 115. You go, oh, Larry, you're the best ever. You are killing it. Hey, boss, this week we serviced 150. You're like, my God, I'm going to give you a raise. Maybe I'm going to get you an assistant. You can keep servicing people. And then all of a sudden I go, we only served 100. You go, what happened? Mm. Well, no, no, it's working. Mm. So we only served 100. But Larry, I just gave you a raise. Mm. I, I, I can't. I, I can't authorize that raise. Really? Yeah. Well, and then assistant, we just got you. I'm about to fire him. But no, no, but no, no, but it's it's working though, boss. It is. I know, but you well, 50 this week. Oh my God. Okay, we're not gonna that whole that vacation. You can't go on vacation. Mm. Oh, so now what happens? So now you start telling me, Larry, we need to service more people. So when that happens, and if my program is working, what must I do now? If my criteria is A, B, and C, now people are gonna come in and they only have criteria A. I'm going to say, oh, no, I'll service you. Mm -hmm. oh, no, I'll service you. That's where the corruption comes in. That's when people start forgetting about stuff, not caring about your documents, not caring about this, excavation, except, yeah, because mm. now they need to service more people. What's the what's the fundamental view on that, though? Because I think the, the assumption in that or the argument we made is that, or, or there could be an assumption in that, in that it's it's inevitable. Like that's yes. a lot of people get again back to it. I'm sure right. people in government, right, who who get into it thinking like, I want to help, I want to do something I'm good. Sure. Yep. But the nature of these problems, government, because yep. you look at it as government's the problem, or government's just the representation or the manifestation of the humanity or the human nature problem that we have. And if it's that, if it's actually just human nature that leads us to act in these ways, which allows for corruption, inefficiency, all the yep. things you're talking about. Yep, absolutely. Can it actually be solved? Yes. And the issue is it isn't actually government that's the problem. It's government monopoly that's okay. the problem. That's the issue. If you ask anybody, do you like monopoly? No, monopoly sucks. Great. But you like government, though. It's a monopoly. But Here's is it inevitable answer. that it, it's going to – there's always going to be a monopoly that runs? No, it doesn't have to be. Okay. It doesn't have to be. The problem is it often moves towards that because government people want to constantly do this. If we accept to ourselves – Government can stand. All my policies don't destroy government. What my policies do is break the monopoly of government mm. to allow for local communities to build up their own resources. Because now I go to my nonprofit. Now you and I are a nonprofit instead. And I go to you and I say, hey, Terry, I service 100 people. You go, great. Well done, Larry. And we're a nonprofit. Next week, we service 115. You go, great. How many did you help? I go, what do you mean? How many did you help? Well, mm. I, I just service them. No, no, no. I got donors I got to keep happy. If they don't see success stories, they're not going to give me money. You're not going to have a job. You better start mm. solving some problems. Mm. Whoa, whoa, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'll get you. Now I start trying to solve problems. Now I give you two of their success stories. We have our monthly or quarterly gala, and I show the success stories. The donors go, oh, my God. That's why I'm giving Terry money, because I want to see success. Otherwise, Terry's I'll give it to the next guy. Yes, okay. Terry's amazing. Let me write him another check. Now Terry starts getting checks, because he's seeing successes. So what if we actually solve the entire problem? What if the problem is? We solve it. It's solved. We've done magic powers. It's solved. Awesome. What happens next? Terry says, I'll take the next problem. And your donors follow you because you solved that problem. And they go, we care about this too. Can you take care of this problem? You go, absolutely. They write you checks. 
Now, the next a, problem. There's an assumption in that that the donors we're doing a hypothetical, but let's keep with it. That the donors are well intentioned. That they actually are no, not money. at all. No, no, they don't have to be intelligent. No, not at all. The donor might see when Terry makes one of Terry's things is to I'm making this up is to lower um, violence in his city. What city are you in, Terry? I'm in Long Island, Smithtown, Long Island. Smithtown. So you want to we want to we want to lower violence in Smithtown. That's one of the things Terry his nonprofit does. Well, he does. It works. Him and Larry out there rock and rolling, and violence went down twenty five percent. Well, now some some big guy who's got some money writes you a check. He doesn't care about that. He cares that you're going to say, yes, thank you so much to this donor who cares about violence in Smithtown. So he but, wants it for branding. He doesn't care about the violence. He wants branding. But why do I care? We're still solving the problem. So yes. somebody might actually care. Somebody might say, I care about the violence. Here's money. Someone might go, I don't care about violence, but I want my name to be attached to yeah. that awesome thing so people buy my cars or my trucks or my cups or my yeah. whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Just solve the violence. Now, but but there's a there's a cynical view because money, we, we introduce money into it. And I think that's right, because money and government become interconnected all the time that the people, the majority of the people that have the money that's actually going to make an impact to donate to allow these problems to be solved. Yeah. They have their own agendas. Now, of maybe course. they're government, maybe they're not. Often they're not, but they become that same monopoly or bullies or those the corruption in that in which they're giving their money maybe for reasons that aren't well-intentioned. You can imagine the thing that comes to mind, and I know I'm kind of butchering analogies here, but it's like pharmaceutical companies sure, who are going to donate to certain studies because it's going to help them sell more drugs versus actually cure the problem, those 100%. types of things. So how does yes. that fit into this? Yeah, you're, you're you're not wrong. That kind of thing happens all the time. But the way that works best is when government creates a monopoly hmm. or an oligarchy, hmm. right? Sometimes well, pharmaceutical companies are a perfect example. For you to get into to become a pharmaceutical company, you are going to have to raise probably about $9 billion. I'm not making that number up, yeah. right? About $9 billion. The, the cost to entry is virtually impossible. So there's a small oligarchy that spends tons of money at the federal government to make sure that never changes. Right. Why do you think all the cool natural food stores never explode? Right. Become big because right. of that. Right. Take away government. They would. How do I know that? Technology showed us this. Small companies that were not regulated by the government exploded. The Facebooks of the world, the YouTube. These weren't massive companies. They were small, but they were new. They weren't regulated. They exploded. Mm. But in any industry that's been around for a while, you create three or four people. They lobby the government ends it. Mm. The more you pull the lobbying piece out and the government out, the more the market shifts and moves and adjusts, right? Remember, most companies that are powerful now didn't exist 30 years ago, Right? didn't exist, right? That changes. So I think that the key part still is government in the middle of it. Yeah. Does it make it perfect? No, I want to be clear. There's no magic pill. There will be bad people. Of course there will. The difference is if you're doing something good and you can get money, the reality of it is the most people who will give you money will be people who care about the thing. That's how yeah. it always works. Yeah. Yeah. But will there be some people who have more nefarious reasons? As long as you're using it for good, why do I care? I'm being very forward. Let's mm -hmm. say the let's say I have one of my plans in New York City to help the homeless people in New York City or the unhoused, however you want to say it, people who are addicts or have mental issues in New York City, they often go into the MTA. Very common. Because they can't go into our housing because the the shelters require paperwork and bureaucracy. And if you have a mental illness or if you're an addict, you simply can't handle it. So you don't do it. Mm. So you, you just, it's too much for you. So what do you do? You go to where it's cool or, or where it's hot, whatever the case may be, winter or summer, off of the MTA. 
So I have the idea of what I call the caring caboose. It is the last uh, car of every other train. And that is people who will help you. Literally, there's private security, not cops, because most people who are addicts or homeless are scared of cops. Mm. So it's private security run by a private company, and it is sponsored. And let's say it's sponsored by a pharmaceutical company that has a bad reputation, and it wants to make it feel like it cares about you. Or uh, an oil company has a bad reputation, and they want to say, look, see, we care. Why do I care? Take their money and do something good with it. Mm. I, I don't care. Yeah. So I get to make ExxonMobil look good in the MTA. Great. Am I helping people without having to add a tax burden to New York State, which is devastating? Yes, I'm getting, as the right will always say, I don't want any more taxes. The left will say, the wealthy should pay more. I'm giving you both. The wealthy are paying more voluntarily, helping people out, and there's no, no more taxes. Both of you should be happy. So I don't care if they're, if you do it right, most people who give will still give because they care. But if some actors who have nefarious reasons want to support the homeless or the addicts, okay, mm. good. Mm. I'd rather them do that than something else. I don't know, like, I don't know, burn down a forest or something. Do that. Yeah, yeah there's almost like there's a pragmatism to it, which a lot of people, and, and maybe this is the problem with government ultimately, is that if we, if we want to spin a positive or at least give benefit of the doubt, people want utopia. They want the ideal world where everything works exactly yeah. the way it's supposed to work, where those bad actors who are bad intention, we don't take their money. We actually, you know, stop them from being bad. Yep. We get the good money and everything works beautifully. What you're saying is, I think that would be amazing if that could be the case, but history has suggested it's not. So yes. we have to be pragmatic and take those steps. And I get that. But, but I, here's the issue. There really aren't in most cases, there's exceptions, obviously, but in most cases, there actually aren't bad actors. Mm. Right, companies are, are are organisms that aren't bad or evil. They're apathetic. They just mm. don't care. Mm. So they want to make money. If that means hurting people, okay. If not, okay. So create an environment to where they can put the money in to where they don't hurt people. What we do is we make an environment that encourages them to hurt people, but we try to punish them after. Mm. And we never can except little guys. Only little guys get punished. Right. The big guys always get away. So we create an environment that encourages people to do bad things. Then when they do bad things, we punish them and feel righteous. Mm. Instead of encouraging a, a, an environment where they do good things, and then I don't care, right? Right? Because again, these companies, the best example I can give you is the military industrial complex. Does the military industrial complex want to bomb people overseas? No, they want to sell weapon systems. That's all they want. In fact, they don't want to sell weapon systems. They want to sell high-tech stuff with high margins. That's what they actually want to do. So if we can provide another way of them mm. selling high-tech stuff with high margins, they would do so. They actually don't care. And you might go, that's horrible, Larry. Yes, and that's the world we live in now. Mm. Mm. And probably will in for many years. So I, we must change the environment so they can do what they're going to do while doing good. Yeah, there's a, there's a philosophical question in there because I follow the logic of everything you're saying. I think you're right. If, if, the, if the military complex, these companies could sell ice cream cones at the same margin, they could sell weapon systems. They 100%. would do it because that's 100%. fine. Yep. But there's a there's a philosophical question. I'm curious if you thought about it, what you think about it, where you're right, it holds on the surface level. But underneath that, if if money, greed, some people would say profit is always the underlying driver, yep. that starts to permeate throughout society. And this idea of who cares, what let's give them an environment where profit is aligned to goodness. Yep. Some people would say that is impossible they're diametrically opposed profit can't be tied to goodness and as soon as we say it's okay for you to just care about profit 
it's going to turn into, maybe we could do it for a little while, but it's eventually going to turn into a system that eats itself and it becomes what we see today. This dystopian future you speak of yeah. is today. Today. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. If we do this, yes. it's today. Okay. So how do, but then does that prove I'm, that we can't I'm asking it? you to change. It's today. But and we've been trying is, to stop this it? forever. Uh, yes. I just gave you the answer. I'll give you a specific answer, a specific one. Right now, the military industrial complex is literally selling bombs and weaponry all across the world, right? And people say, hey, they're evil. They're bombing people. You're right. That's happening right now. And they've been selling weapons and arms for literally thousands of years, right? Killing people, hacking them up when it was swords, yep, shooting them when yep, it's guns, yep. bombing them down at his bombs, whatever. Whatever the thing is, people will always want profit. It is normal. Money is not bad. Money is a tool. Mm -hmm. All money does is enhance whoever you are. Yes. That's what it does. Agreed. It enhances whoever you are. If you're a bad person, now you're a bad person with money. But, if but you're a good person, you're a good person with money. All right. That's that's how that works in general. Not just that. How are you supposed to make good things happen if you don't create profit and money? How do you live right. a good life if you can't pay your bills? Yep. So yep. profit isn't by default bad. To say that is to not understand human nature. And people say it all the time. And they're wrong. And it's been proven. Because even when you create communism or you create socialism or whatever ism you create, whatever the ism is, the people at the top are always wealthy. Agreed. Agreed. The question is, is it a monopoly or an oligarchy or is it actually some equality? In theory, communism and socialism is more, more egalitarian. In practice, that has never been true. Oligarchs are oligarchs. They simply use an ism to act like it's good. Whether that ism is capitalism, communism, it's an ism. Whatever they need. Right? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, so what I would say is instead, I'll give you a specific example. Sure. The military industrial complex. What if we instead said, look, all the current hot wars that we have, end them all. And all the hot wars that we have right now, <clears throat> bring those troops, troops back home to bases. Now, the military industrial complex goes, wait, what did but we've been we got bombs to sell. You do. I got you. I got you. It's gonna take a couple of months before we do that. But what we're doing is we're now gonna open up full trade to all of the countries that we've been embargoing. We're gonna open up trade to Cuba, North Korea, Iran, all these places we've been We're gonna open up and we're gonna give you, and libertarians get mad when I say this, but I'm saying it anyway, give you some preferential treatment for the first three to five years. They go, what? Yeah. <laughs> so you get preferential treatment for the first three to five years in all deals you make. They'll be like, who needs to sell bombs? They'll go sell something else. Literally, so, they're going to get preferential treatment into these things, and we're not going to be bombing people anymore. They'll take a couple of years to reship and retool, and they'll sell whatever is the thing they want in Cuba or North Korea and or Iran. I don't know what they want, but I'm sure these people will find out very quickly. Well, and they'll go that. there and they'll sell it. Let's take that, because I think this is super interesting. And I think this is this is what we were talking about before the show. It's having conversations like this where we openly explore and just see where it goes versus having an agenda and all that other yep. bullshit. So this is good. So let's just let's stick with the hypothetical. Let's say you do that and they decide we said it before, it's stupid, but let's go with it. I ice cream, right? Let's say yeah. Iran desperately wants ice cream and I these companies realize well, I could do it. Yep. The point I was making before about money, profit, and again, I'm not saying it's right. I, I, let's explore it though. Is that what somebody could see happening is okay, now they start selling ice cream to Iran because yep. they say we can get just as much profit, it's all good. Absolutely. But now that profit, once you're geared on that. And, and there's goods and bads to this. But one yep. of the bads is, well, they start saying like, well, shit, we can make more profit if we start using different ingredients in the ice sure. cream. I bet you we can make this cheaper. 100%. So they're no longer selling bombs and killing people. And that's a bad outcome. 
but they'll find another bad outcome that allows them to maximize that profit. And that's mean, the cycle that's what's can happening never be right broken. now in America. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. But what's but the, literally happening again? The, this dystopian future you speak of is now. But to me, that's the proof that maybe not proof, but that's the argument to say it can't be broken. It's human nature. It's what yes, we maybe, do. Maybe, but I won't be bombing people. But I'll be killing them with ice cream, ice cream pops. Maybe, but at least ice cream. I have a choice to not eat ice cream. I personally don't eat ice cream. So at least I have a choice. You're right. I'm not. I'm not promising you perfection. I'm you're promising be better. you better. Better. If you're okay. gonna, if you're gonna grade me against perfection, I lose, I lose. every time. Well, but better. At least I'm not bombing people. And if you don't want to eat the ice cream, you cannot eat it. And if you want to make it locally, maybe you can. And if you want to have a movement, a nonprofit movement in Iran to say, don't buy any more American ice cream, buy any Iranian ice cream, that's good. You can do that. You have at least recourse mm. against our government. There is no recourse against mm. being bombed. There is no recourse. You only make people desperate. Desperate people do desperate things. Instead, they would have an option. Mm. They at least have recourse. There's something decide, so beautiful in that, Larry, in that as a politician and somebody running for office, the inclination, what you see today in the world is you have to promise perfection. I'm going to fix every problem you have. I'm getting back to that ideal utopian world. I'm going to make everything perfect. I'm going to reduce your taxes, but I'm going to reduce the debt. I'm going to fix this problem. And what you're saying, and it's a really interesting thing is I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to be pragmatic and fix this. And there's an interesting question in that of like, there's obviously a deep logic to that. And a lot of yep. people should value it, but a lot of people will look at that and be like, He's already admitting he can't fix the problem. I'm going to go with this other person who's promising me the world that they're going to fix it. And it's a question of how long until people realize I got to stop buying the bullshit that's being sold to me. And well, in New York the State, it's at least 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. At least, because they'd be forward. I still see people in New York talking about, I got to vote for the Republican. A Republican, now don't get me wrong, locally, many Republicans win. And you, if you have a local Republican you like, please vote for your local Republican if you think it's the right answer. I'm I'm mm -hmm. not trying to get you to vote either way in that regard. Statewide, governor, lieutenant governor, senator, um, attorney general, mm. uh, comptroller. No Republican has won a statewide election in this state in 20 years. Mm. Not one, nothing. And the state's getting bluer, not redder. Florida used to be a, a swing state. It's now a red state. Why? Because New York Republicans have gone down there. That's why it's now a red state. There is no way a Republican wins a statewide election in this state. It is impossible. The Republican is capped at about 35%. They will never pass that ever. You get 35% maybe, that's it. The state is almost three to one, Democrat, Republican. And yet still, for the past 20 years, every two years, the Republican Party goes, this is the year, this is the year. It was a lie 18 years ago. It was a lie 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, and this year. It is a blatant lie. How do I know that? Anyone listening, can you tell me one actual policy the Republican has? Hmm. You cannot. Hmm. He doesn't have any. Why? He doesn't need any. He's not going to win. He knows that too. All he does is yell, governor bad. That's his entire policy. Governor bad, more cops. That's his, that's hmm. his policy. Governor bad, more cops. That's it. Why? It doesn't matter. He's not going to win. And literally, he's taken $12 million dollars from New York Republicans and thrown it in the garbage. Literally. And that happens every every two years. And they still keep believing it. Hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Is my chance for winning so much higher? No. No. But it's different. Imagine if I come in second. Imagine if I get in the debate stage. 
Now we're talking about issues and now we have to get people to talk about issues. You may hate my plans. So you might be listening going, those plans are dumb, Larry. Okay, maybe you're right. But at least we're talking about actual plans. Mm. Now we're having real conversations, not just going, other guy bad, stop the other guy. I'm the only one saying, I want to leave you alone and give you options. The biggest piece of what we just talked about is most people in America feel unheard and powerless. That is why so many people are angry and why we're shooting each other. We feel unheard and powerless. In my Iranian model, they actually have power and they will feel heard. Some people will not eat the ice cream. Some people will have a shirt. Don't eat ice cream. They will feel heard. They'll be able to create groups and people who won't you know, do that, oh, who only buy Iranian ice cream. They will not be angry. They will have a choice in their own mind. They go, you know what? I don't care. I like American ice cream. I'm eating it. Or mm. no, I'm not going to do it because I'm proud of Iranian. Mm. Whatever they want to do, giving them that freedom allows them to be heard and they will have happier lives. But forcing them makes them not have happier lives because they're not fighting against the other. They're not voting for anything. They're voting against something. And right mm. now in this country and New York State, a victory isn't my my life getting better. A victory is the other guy losing. Yeah. That's it. It's the other guy loses, I win. Is your life any better? Oh, no, not at all. My life's still garbage. Oh, but the other guy lost. Mm -hmm. I own the lib, or I got the Trump supporter, or whatever. It might, if I'm left or right, I want one of those two. And I say that, and oh, I uh, I won. Yeah, but you still, you still can't afford your rent. Yeah. You still can't buy a new car, man. I don't care if the other guy lost. You still hate your job. Mm. I mean... Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, there's that such like an incremental in a good in such a good way because I think again back to it, a lot of people want to believe, and I think a lot of people do believe this, particularly in politics, that they're smarter, that they have the moral high ground, that I have the right answer, and yeah. whatever I have to do to get that right answer implemented, I'll do it. And what you're bringing forward, which I think again, there's a lot of logic to, is to say you could have the right answer. First of all, I would argue nobody has the right answer. There's not there's very rarely a clear right answer that somebody could say with 100 certainty. But even if you did. If you implement it with the wrong process, it totally defeats the value you get from that answer. Okay. And what you're saying is, let's shoot for the best answer, but we have to make sure we get the process right. Because if we do that, at least we're moving in the right direction. Well, when I teach this all the time, people don't really understand this. Well, I teach team building um, and with businesses and such. And what I say is, a great plan implemented by people who don't care will do worse than a terrible plan implemented by people who care. Because if people care, they will change the plan. Yeah. Right? They'll say it's not working. Yep. Change the plan. Yep. People who don't care will just follow the plan. And if it fails, so what? It's not my plan. Whatever. I still got my job. Yeah. Still got my still... job. I don't that's your plan, Terry. Ain't my yep. plan, Terry. Yep. I don't care. That's Terry's plan. Whatever happens, happens. Well, let me ask you on that, Larry, because I want to ask as we're as we're getting a little bit towards the end here to switch gears a little bit personally for you. So so for you. Why? Why is this such a passion for you? Why? I mean, there's some obvious answers you can give, right? But but there's not a lot of people doing what you're doing. No one. Been a Marine, obviously, you've served your country in that way. Been a business owner. Now the second time you're running for governor. What is it? What is it about that calling? What is it that makes you feel like this is what I need to be doing with my life? Every every other person trying to run independently has dropped out. I'm the only one doing it now. I'm the only one still running. Uh, the two the two major parties are running, and that's it. And they're both establishment politicians. Um, yeah, I'm the one running. There's something to remember. In 2018, there were five people running for, for office. I was the only one not getting a government check. Mm. This year, there are three people running. I'm the only one not getting a government check. Mm. Our system is made for those who are part of the system. They're not, it's not made for the outsider. It's not made for. 
So that's bad. I was actually going to leave New York. In 2017, I was tired. of. I was like, I'm out. I got to go. And for what I do for my day job, I need big business around. One of the reasons why I live in New York City, big business. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to a, another city that's a good-sized city and has big companies. And that was Charlotte, North Carolina. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to Charlotte. I went down there, look around. What I found is I can sell my shoebox of a house I have in Queens and buy a mansion <laughs> in North Carolina and have money left over. I'm like, wow, and pay less taxes. Oh, my God. So instead of moving, as many people do, when I get it, I'm not mad if you move. I wish you wouldn't. I'm disappointed, but I understand completely why you do. I got mad. And I said, I'm going to go back. Why does my state suck so much? Mm. New York State is a beautiful state with anything you can imagine in it. And it's government so oppressive, it breaks up families. Literally, people are moving away. My mom died in South Carolina because she couldn't afford to retire here. Mm. So that happens all the time. So I said, you know, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to run for governor. I'm going to win and fix the state. Mm. That did not go as planned. So I did not win. However, when I ran, that's when I understood the system. And I saw how broken the system was, and it got me angrier. Mm. So what I said, I'm doing it again. And I'm doing it again to sort of break this system. And the system has been even harsher to me this year. This year, the system has been harsh to me. The, the conservative party literally sued me in civil court to get me off the ballot. So they're going out of their way to make sure I do not run. They're punishing me, trying to get me off the ballot because they know that I'm actually a threat. Why? because I know who they are, I know the system, and people follow me. I got 100,000 votes last time. Mm. People still know me. I've been on Joe Rogan, right? People know what I'm doing and who mm. I am, and they know that, and I'm not part of the system. They don't like that at all, and I get it. I understand it. I think it's horrible, but I understand it, so I'm still running. But the mo there's a more important piece, though, and this is going to sound a little bit hyperbolic, but I think you'll understand it. We are more divided as people than we've ever been. We politicize everything, every single thing we politicize. There is no need to politicize so many things, which means we're not saying yes because we believe it. We're saying yes because our team said to say yes. Mm -hmm. How can we fix our country if we can't talk to each other? And if we can't do that, we're going to fight each other. If this country falls into any form of civil distress, distress whatever that may, however that may manifest itself, it is not going to be good for us or our families or lives. Mm. I don't want to, I want to be able to say if it goes that level, I've done my best. Mm. I want to create the third party, the mediator, the answer where you can talk to both. The only party that actually respects whether you're liberal or conservative doesn't assume that you have to follow my will, that actually you can respect each other. The only one that can do that. I'm trying to make that happen. I'm hoping others will follow me. If others follow, then we can make this actually work. That is my hope. And if I fail, I fail. But in New York State for this year, there's no one else. So I'm doing it because I often ask people who I'm coaching, I'll ask a question. I'll say, hey, Terry, this thing you don't want to do, I have a question. Can somebody else do it? Mm. And sometimes I go, yeah, you know what? Janie could do it. Great. Let's get Janie in here, have a conversation, so I can get her to do it. Great. Or you might go, you know what? No, Larry, I don't think it was only me. Then I go, then you. Mm. You're doing it. Mm. Stop complaining. If no one else can do it, you're doing it. And I looked at myself and I went, no one else can do this this year. Hopefully in 2022, 2026, 2020, 2030, someone else can do it. This year, it's me or nobody. How do I know that? Everyone else has dropped out. Mm. Has so that always been you, Larry? That, that, sense of, that sense of duty almost, right? To say, I see a problem. I see how ugly this can get if it goes wrong. Because there's a lot of people that see that stuff and yep. for various reasons don't run towards yep. the fire. They go the other yep. way. And, and to be fair, 
There's other people that do run towards the fire, but they do it for the wrong reasons. They just want Correct. the notoriety. They want Absolutely. the power. They want the influence. Yep. Has this been you that always that sense of kind of duty and obligation to do the right thing in that way? I've always thought, and I teach my daughters this too. I tell them all the time, do the hard stuff because nobody else will. Right? Do the hard stuff. They'll say, dad, this is hard. I know. And do it. Hard does not mean impossible. Hard means hard. What, why, why tell them to do, I mean, I get it, but that in the spirit of the show, what, why, why should they do that hard thing? Because it makes them stronger. Makes them stronger. That's what it does. It makes them do the hard thing. Two things will happen. One, you'll be stronger. Two, people will respect you. People don't respect you when you don't when you do the hard thing. You do the easy thing. I did it too. So what? Right. I, everybody does that thing. Who cares? You do the hard thing. Now they respect you. Mm. So do the hard thing. You'll get respect. Do the hard thing. People, you, you'll be harder. You'll be, you will have earned the respect. That's the issue. Mm. So do the hard thing. Nobody else will. Most people won't do the hard thing. Yeah. And it's funny because sticking with politics, we have a system set up where a lot of people succeed not doing the hard thing. A lot of people Correct. are getting elected and staying in office. They're doing the easy thing. They're, and they're... that's why people don't respect them. Mm. That's exactly but they're still right. getting elected. That's yes. the crazy thing. But the, the crazy uh, thing. Yes. Look, this, I guess I mentioned, a bad system will reward bad behavior, right. right? A good system won't. But I'm not talking about my daughters running for office. I mean, if they want to run for office, good for them. But that's not my goal. My goal is to make them happy in life. Hmm. And the happier you are in life is by doing the hard things. There was a movement that started probably in the 70s, maybe 80s, a self-esteem movement. And the self-esteem movement was based on a good idea. Giving kids better self-esteem means you'll have stronger kids. And that's true. The problem is they thought self-esteem was affirmation, mm. telling people that they're good, saying how awesome you are, giving you a participation, participation trophy. That's utterly false and is nothing but hurt our children and our generations. You gain self-esteem by doing the hard things, even failing. How you really gain self-esteem is not by success, but by failing and getting back up, mm. right? Everybody falls down. The question is, do you get back up? Everybody has a pity party. We all have had pity parties. The question is, is that pity party five minutes, five days, or five years? Mm. How long's your pity party? Mm. I hope it's like five minutes to five days. Yeah. I hope it's like that and not five years. But I'm sure you know people who their pity party has been five years or more. It's been a long time. <laughs> yes. And don't get me wrong. We all doubt ourselves. We yeah. all have pity parties. We yeah. all want to woe is me. And there's real problems in life. There's real pain and 100%. suffering. 100%. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the way it is. The question is how long before you get back up? Mm. That's the issue. How mm. long before you get back up? And if you get back up, that's how you build self-esteem. There's no saying um, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from poor judgment. Mm. Mm. So that concept is a good concept to think of. And the last thing I'll bring up here with this is why I do the hard thing. Because there's a saying that I always bring up, which is, it took her 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> right? You did the hard thing. Now you noticed. Yep. But yep. for the first nine years, no one cared about you at all. You mm. were just some dude doing something, whatever. Crazy Terry doing his mm. crazy stuff. Mm. That's all he was. And then all of a sudden, it's been X years. That's like, have you been on Terry's oh, podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to be on his podcast. You been yeah. on that yet? Right? You don't know when that's going to happen. And the best example of that now is Joe Rogan. Sure. Best example. Yeah. You go back 20 years, you're like, what? Isn't that guy like some comic or something? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, oh my God, everybody wants to be on the show. Yeah. 
Same well, way. it's funny because then it takes the arc where all of a sudden then you get too big and people start saying that's too big. And now I'm going to tear somebody down, you know, <laughs> Yes. but it's, yes. but it's representative too. Maybe, maybe I'll make this the last question or at least the last topic we go on, because one of the fears I have, and I, I would imagine you've considered this, I, it's not novel. People talk about it is as we as a country, as well as just as a human race continue to progress and succeed and thrive and grow and innovate. Yep. Doing the hard thing becomes harder because it's so much easier for us to just have an easy life right? There's technology, there's all these things um, that make it where you don't necessarily have to do the hard thing. And and to your point about self-esteem, you hear vulnerability thrown a lot around yep. today. Um, there, there's a lot of negative that comes from the hard stuff sometimes, right? Yep. People can get hurt, people can get marginalized, bad things comes from it. So you have to strike this balance. But human human kind of the human experience seems to be sending us on a trajectory where we don't have to do the hard thing as much anymore and we're losing right. that muscle we're losing that skill Agreed. it doesn't mean we're getting soft it doesn't mean you know men aren't no, no. men anymore i get it we, there's some real we are issues. getting soft as a culture we are we are we it's are true. right and that's i'm not, not saying men aren't men like that that's exactly. not what i'm saying it's not because there's I'm, more gay people today or correct. anything it's not that it's very gay much people the vein work of just as hard as straight exactly people. Yeah, it's exactly very much the vein of what you're saying which is exactly what you tell your daughters, there's less opportunity to do those hard things. And we don't feel like it's necessary. We can have a quote unquote, good, happy, somewhat enjoyable life without doing it. Does that doom us? Are we can doing I, can that? Can I give a little bit of pushback on that? Yeah, if you please. Don't mind. I don't think that there isn't enough opportunity to do the hard thing. There's lots of that all the time. There's opportunity to do the hard thing all the time. There are two issues that are making it harder for us. We have an environment that is punish, punishing us for doing so. Mm and a government that is punishing us for doing so. Government. Government doesn't support small business entrepreneurship at all. You know that. It punishes it constantly. Mm -hmm. It makes rules to push us in to the old school. Our government still thinks we're in an industrial age. Our school systems for the industrial age, our wage our labor laws of industrial age. We haven't been in industrial age in 30 years. We are in a post-industrial I teach post-industrial leadership. That's what I do. I teach. I literally teach post-industrial leadership. We, and I've been teaching it for 20 years. So we haven't been in the industrial age for at least 30. And we're still doing it. That's number one. So government's hurting us in that regard. But the second piece is, to your point, profit's evil. You're bad. You did, you're successful. Why not me? That's also difficult. So are the opportunities there? Yes. But the environment is holding us. And the problem is, and this is the, the longer term issue. As you find many people who don't want to try to do the hard thing and make themselves stronger, and I mean as individuals, make themselves stronger, more resilient to downtime, more resilient to problems and pain, and I was looking to someone else to save them, we're going to create a world to where the bad guy can take over. Mm -hmm. We're creating an environment where the bad guy can take over. That's the irony of it too, because it's yes. to protect against that, but yeah. We're creating an environment where the bad guy can take over, mm. right? Because- What's going to stop the bad guy from taking over? A whole bunch of good guys. Mm. Well, when the good guys aren't there or have given up or have walked away or aren't part of your society or they aren't or, or aren't resilient enough to take the defeats that will come, right? The bad guy, whoever that bad guy is, there's always one out there. There's always a bad guy out there. When the bad guy wants to go, he is relentless. Mm. He's always relentless and he will fight and he will and and he will beat you and keep going. The question is when you lose, Will you get back up? And Gandhi said this best. Gandhi was being interviewed uh, during World War II. And one of the, the, the writers said, look, you're about this nonviolent thing, right? Come on. Can you be nonviolent against a monster like Hitler? And Gandhi was very forty because he said, not without defeats. Mm. And don't you have defeats when you fight Hitler? 
they're like, yeah, yeah. The question isn't whether you use violence or not violence. The question is a gay or straight. The question is when you have a setback, do you get back up? Because mm -hmm. when you fight the bad guy, you will lose the battles, whether those mm -hmm. battles are in the streets with knives and guns or whether they're in, in, in the um in the in the uh you know in the assembly or in the Congress. Or, or sometimes whether, it's your own mind. In your, guy, mind, your own mind, that right? You're on to TV, overcome. you yeah. will have defeats. You will lose against the bad guy. Are you strong enough to get back up from that defeat? Mm. If you're not, bad guy wins. Mm. That is my worry. If we aren't strong enough, to your point, up here, sometimes that will be physical. In today's world, it usually isn't, but sometimes is. If we're not strong enough to get back from that defeat, we're doomed. Mm. So that will be my question if we're doomed or not. Can we get back up? When the bad guys come, they will win sometimes. It's how yeah. it works. Yeah. We get back up. So, Larry, I, I love this. I say this all the time, and I keep saying I'm going to stop, but I can't because I love all these conversations. But I love this conversation because we talked about it in the pre-show. I think particularly when you're talking about politics and some of these topics, to get into the nuance of it in the long form, I can imagine somebody, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I can imagine somebody could take sound bites from this discussion or other things you said yep. and, and use it to cherry pick to say, oh, Larry's just against kind of woke culture. He's against the things we're trying to do or vice versa, right? Wherever yep. it goes. Happens all the time. Happens all the time, right? But what you're, but this is what we have to do. There's good aspects of liberalism. There's good aspects of conservatism. We have to figure out, to your point, the process that gets us to the best outcome. Yes. And we have to take the good from all of it. If we cut off a whole section of it because that might be offensive, or we cut off a whole other section of it because we're worried that it's too woke or whatever it might be, we're, we're not pulling the best stuff together. And I think being able to have a conversation like this with you, as you said, not everybody has to agree. They might not agree with your plan or your approaches, but- you're trying to pragmatically work towards a better answer yeah. and you're looking at the whole spectrum and you're willing to look at all that and try and follow wherever gets us to the best place. I think these are the conversations that have to be had. So I appreciate you a ton for being on this show, but what you're doing in general, I don't Thank know if you're going to win, but I hope it continues that incremental progress towards the betterment that we're trying to get to. And I think you're doing, you're doing your part, which is what Me I think. Too. Thank about. you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Larry. Good luck with everything. Thank you. LarrySharp.com. Don't forget. Check it out.